Hey, it's Scott Petrick. Welcome back to another episode of the Brown Zone Zone Coverage Podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since we've done one of these. And while we still have a couple of weeks before training camp, I thought it was time to start previewing what's a really anticipated training camp. I'm joined again by Dave Chudowski of the WKYC Morning News. Dave, how you been and are you ready for football season? I don't know. I'm, uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm ready. I guess the first thing, well, first thing I'm going to say is, uh, how's your golf game? Cause I'm guessing that's what you've been doing for the last two weeks. Why we have uh, taken a break here. Yeah. It's a, it's a little hit or miss. I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. Um, I'd been playing probably the best golf I had in, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And then just when you get a little confident, you start missing some shots and start working <laughs> on other stuff. So, um, I'm anxious. I'm hoping I'm on vacation this week, but I'm hoping to get the rain has not been my friend, but I'm hoping to get um, golf in the next three days. So hopefully I'll, uh, I'll find a rhythm again, just in time for uh, training camp to stop the rhythm. Yeah. We're trying to get all my daughter's softball games in and they've been rained out. we got the tournament coming up. So, I mean, it was like a good summer to get everything in for a while there, but then now the rain's just, uh, it's taken over. I, I've, I've talked to Holly about it on the morning show, but you know, unfortunately I know people think she has control over it, but really there's nothing she can do. So no, I'm, I'm a big fan of Holly, but she's really let me down the last three or four days. I know, I know, but you know, going back to what we originally started, this is that time where, you know, it's like, this is what we do, right? We're pumped about the Browns, huge season coming up. But you just mentioned it. You got vacation. It's like you're pumped for the season to start, but yet you know the end of the road of summertime's coming. So it's that that weird feeling, you know? It is. And and I know that the fans don't share the same thing, right? Training camp for them does not mean <laughs> the end of the summer. They still they got another six weeks of summer or whatever. Um, and not that it's the complete end for me, but it's long days and a lot of work. And obviously I love doing it, but um, I do want, you know, I do try to pump the brakes for a while when people start talking about training camp in the season in early June, it's like, all right, let's slow the roll a little bit. But once, uh, once next week arrives and I finish up with this vacation, then, you know, then I'll flip the switch and be all in. And the fact is, you know, I think we need to talk about what to expect, what to, we need to start talking about what to expect in training camp, right? Obviously, Everybody's super excited for it. It's a huge training camp um, leading into a season with Super Bowl expectations for a preseason that's down to three games, but it's three games more than the Browns had a year ago, right? That anybody had a year ago. Kevin Stefanski will have a preseason for the first time. GM Andrew Barry will have a preseason for the first time in that role. Um, and, and I think there's going to be a lot to take in and digest and break down from camp and, and the three games of the preseason. Yeah, let's start out, first of all, with where you think the Browns are ranked in the NFL. I was looking up, you know, Vegas odds. Uh, I actually get some odds emailed to me, which is pretty cool of, of all sports. So I, I, mm -hmm. I take a gander and look at the stuff because I'm always interested in them. And uh, the latest one I saw with the NFL has uh, the Chiefs with the most wins at three to one, followed by Tampa five to one, the Bills nine to one. And then, Scott, the Browns are tied for fourth with the Ravens, Rams, and 49ers at 12 to 1. Wow. Yeah, that, that's interesting, Chud. And, and I think that kind of holds up for not only most wins, but Super Bowl odds. Um, 
I was surprised one of my buddies' dads was out in Vegas and put money on the Browns. And I was asking what the odds were, and they were way lower than I thought. I want to say off the top of my head, 12 to 1, maybe, I think, to win the Super Bowl. Um, Maybe it was only get to Super Bowl. I think it was win the Super Bowl. And that just felt like for years you could go out there and get a crazy bet, right, (laughs) if you bet the Browns to win the Super Bowl. And people loved it, and it was a, you know, long shot. Um, But this, I think when the odds are like this, then you really have to consider, okay, do I think they can get there? Do I think they can win it? And I, you know, I think they're one of the contenders for sure. It's just not, I don't think it's a premium bet. You know, I think there's teams you can find in the 20 to 30 to one odds that you, okay, I can put 10 bucks on it and I have really good payoff. And just from an odds perspective might be a better bet than the Browns. Um, But, but it's interesting. And when you give me that ranking, you know, I jotted down mine for best teams, right? It's not necessarily most wins. Um, Maybe best odds, in my opinion, to go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, I think you have to start with Kansas City, right? Been there two years in a row. Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. Um, Andy Reid's your coach. Enough said. Tampa Bay coming off the Super Bowl win. Tom Brady doesn't look like he's slowing down nearly enough to derail what they have going. Plus they're bringing everybody back too, right? We talk about the continuity among the Browns. Tampa Bay's got the most continuity ever, I think, or at least in decades for a Super Bowl champ coming back. And then I got Buffalo in Baltimore and then the Browns. I would rank the Browns fifth in my preseason power rankings. But with that said, you know, I think Kansas city and Tampa Bay are kind of in their own tier just given their Super Bowl performance from a year ago in the last two years for Kansas City. Then I think you have Buffalo, Baltimore, and Cleveland grouped together in that second tier. And I would only put the Browns third in that tier because I think Buffalo and Baltimore have had more success recently. I think their quarterbacks have had more success. Not that Baker can't get there, but Josh Allen was an MVP candidate a year ago, um, played great. Lamar Jackson won the MVP the year before that, um, and Baker hasn't had that kind of success. So I think just based on track record, I would put the Browns fifth, but that doesn't mean the Browns can't surpass them. It doesn't mean I don't like the Browns roster just as much as those other two teams. You know, and then you mentioned the Rams and the Niners, and I, I like them in that next tier along with Green Bay, assuming Aaron Rodgers comes back. I think Tennessee is still – a team to be reckoned with after trading for Julio Jones and in a division that, um, you know, I think Houston and Jacksonville are two of the maybe three worst teams in the league. So you figure there's a bunch of wins there and that probably gets them into the playoffs and uh, Seattle, you know, I just don't know if you can count out Russell Wilson in Seattle, but so, you know, you're looking at whatever the top 10 teams I just mentioned and I would put the Browns in the top half of that. What do you think, Chuck? Yeah, well, the, the Rams are pretty high. I, I went ahead and Googled while you were talking uh, Super Bowl odds. And, you know, without getting into the numbers, pretty much uh, it's Chiefs, Buccaneers, as you had mentioned, Bills. The Rams are really high up there. Okay. Then the 49ers, which it's incredible after their last year. But, you know, obviously the injuries and things they had to deal with. Uh, then the Ravens, the Browns are right up there. The one team that I think is an interesting, if you can find good odds on them, is the Packers. Yeah. Because especially to have the most wins, 
listen, I can't envision Aaron Rodgers not playing at this point. I, I just, do you really think that guy would walk away, Scott? And at this point, I think it's tough to think another team could trade for him. I could be wrong, right. but let's right. just say he does come back and he's the quarterback of the Packers. Place your bet now because I'm sure the odds are lower thinking that he's, you know, because they don't know, right? Yeah, so, would, yeah, the uncertainty for sure would play a factor in that. Right, so yeah. I would take a gamble on them. A dark horse team that I – I would go with, and I, I'm I'm throwing other teams out here because I think you pretty much just hit on most of the the top ones, and I can't disagree with that. But how about the Cowboys? Mm. Twenty five to one. I mean, they have a potent offense and in a bad division, yeah. In a right, and then another one. There's always a team that comes back that you forget about, and don't count out the Patriots. I mean, if they get decent quarterback play, Bill Belichick, you know he's he's going to be starving to get back uh up to the top i'm not saying it's going to happen but right. that would be maybe somewhat of a dark horse but yeah it's tough to think right now to go against the chiefs in tampa bay i think the bills boy josh allen um you know i'm having a decision right now and I, I don't want to steer this towards fantasy but you know i have him as a possibility for a keeper in fantasy and you know he, a lot of people think he's the next patrick mahomes or just a step lower you know what i mean yeah so when you give got a guy credit like that that just tells you why they're right there is one of the the top teams so i think the disappointing thing is that you know the browns aren't even maybe the top team in their own division right now uh i mean would you give the nod to the ravens i would but so much of that is because i want to see the browns prove it and you know they lost the ravens twice last year and we all remember that Monday night game in Cleveland where the Browns had chances and Lamar, you know, comes out of the tunnel and makes a couple plays to win the game. Um, and I thought the Browns proved something that game that they could come back, that they could score a bunch of points against that defense, even though the, the Ravens defense was a little banged up in the second half. Um, I think the Browns showed something, but I, I want to see them beat Baltimore and you know, you look at when you talk about the Browns and their struggles for the last two decades, the opposite of that is Baltimore in the last decade with John Harbaugh as their coach. And they're consistently good and they're consistently solid. And they have a really good recipe of playmaking defense and a running game. And then they have this, you know, unicorn in Lamar Jackson that is really tough to defend. And I, I just, you know, trying to be objective, have a hard time at the start of a year with the Browns having gone 0-2 against the Ravens last year saying, yes, the Browns are going to be better. Now, I think you can look and say there's questions about the Ravens' O-line and the Ravens' pass rush. There's questions about Lamar as a passer, although I think he'll continue to get better in that area. So I understand if people want to put the Browns ahead of Baltimore, and I think you can make – I, I don't think it's an argument. I think the Browns have a better roster top to bottom. Um, I'm just, I just want to see it first before I, you know, before I, you know, to quote Denny Green, crown the Browns. Um, I mean, the Browns have never won the, the AFC North, right? It's been around for 20 years. They've never won it. And it just is hard for me to say, yes, they're going to jump over Baltimore, who's, bringing back, you know, most of their guys, and they added some receivers, um, still question marks there. So that, that's my thinking behind 
still having Baltimore ahead, um, that doesn't mean, you know, the Browns won't surpass Baltimore. It doesn't mean when I make my, you know, season predictions the first or second week of September that I won't have the Browns winning the division. It's just right now, if you're ranking the teams in the league and the teams in the North, I just feel like you have to give a little respect to Baltimore, I guess. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, you got to see it. You got to see it to, to believe it. Maybe um, I saw that you brought up the Ravens game. Uh, weren't the ESPYs just recently? I think that Browns Ravens game was up for best game. It didn't win. Oh yeah. I mean, that game was so good, right? I mean, in the factors, the, all the elements to it, you know, Baker played phenomenal in that second half. I mean, the Browns were down big and they kept coming back. Even when, you know, I think there's a bad turnover there in the third quarter and the Browns were able to recover from that. And then you had the whole Lamar saga with going in the <laughs> tunnel and the cramps and whatever it was and then coming back and then their backup quarterback gets hurt and they don't know what they're going to do. And Lamar comes, you know, flying on the field. And then the Browns have just a busted coverage at the complete wrong time, right. To cost mm-hmm. them, um, you know, and then tie it with too much time to allow Lamar and the Ravens to go down and, and get the winner. Um, you know, great game to watch, you know, and I think that was a game that did give the Browns some confidence right over that final stretch. And they wind up, you know, making the playoffs and beating Pittsburgh and giving Kansas City to their run. Um, I think that game and the resilience that the Browns showed against a really good team on prime time, national television, I think that did wonders for the confidence of, hey, we can play with anybody and we can come back, right? Which I think when you look at the Browns offense and, oh, it's a run offense, the fact that the Ravens knew the Browns had to throw and Baker was able to do that against that defense, whether or not they were missing some guys in the secondary, I think that was huge for Baker's confidence and the offense overall saying, hey, we can win or come close to winning at least in a number of different ways. And it kind of piggybacked on what they did in Tennessee when they came out and threw the ball early and said, Hey, we're not just a hand the ball to Chubb and hunt. We can come out and throw the ball. And I think that's was a huge step for the offense. And I think we're going to continue to see that evolution this year with, you know, maybe more three wide receivers. You see, you know, a maybe less balance, you know, and, Kevin Stefanski talks, it's not a 50-50 thing anyway. You don't want to run and pass it. You just want to be effective doing both. Um, In today's NFL, it wouldn't be – I don't think it'd be crazy to think that the Browns throw even more this year just given another year in that system and another year of maturity from Baker Mayfield. Sure, sure. But the identity is running. Well, see, I I don't know if it's as simple as that, Judd. I think think you need to have the run – is a base for the play action, right? I, I think that's where it starts. But there's also studies out there that play action is effective whether or not you can run the ball. Um, and, and I, it, you know, that's an analytic study that it kind of contradicts just logic, right? Um, yeah. I, I know that Kevin Stefanski wants the running game and he wants – Yeah, to- that's his MO, right? I mean, right. in Minnesota with the Browns, it, he's always been a, a running back guy and, and, and it sets up the quarterback – to do what Baker did last year. And like you said, with the play action, I guess what I'm asking you is, can you envision him getting away from that mentality where, you know, he's a run, 
the identity is running and, and setting up that play. So like, could you see them becoming more of a lightning pass action team? Kind of. Really? I, yeah. I, I don't think they'll ever be, you know, the run and shoot Rams or, uh, you know, even, you know, Tampa Bay throws the ball a bunch. I'm trying to think of, you know, the teams that throw it the most in the league. Um, like, I don't think, I don't think they'll ever go to that extreme. Right. But, you know, in Buffalo, Buffalo throws the ball a ton. So I don't think the Browns would get to right. that. Extreme. Um, but I, I think the scale will likely slide more toward passing. And I think maybe more toward passing early in games. And then you run it later in games. I think that's a, a proven recipe in today's NFL that works. Um, the pass to set up the run, you, you get a lead and then you turn to the run. Like he's never going to abandon it, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it might be too early to label Kevin Stefanski and he's got a lot of different influences in his career. It's really his experience as a play caller is limited. So I don't know if we should make too many assumptions. You know, I think it was three games at the end of 18 all of 19 with the Vikings and then last year with the Browns. And, and that's it for him as a play caller. You know, he had the Gary Kubiak influence, which is the same, you know, Shanahan system that the 49ers run and that the Broncos ran for years. And like, he's never going to get away from that completely, especially when you have Chubb and Hunt. But I think we're going to see less three tight end sets. I think we might see less two tight end sets because you got, I think you have more talent at receiver than tight end. I think you have more talent at running back than tight end. So how do you best maximize that talent? And maybe we see a different, more, we see a different variety of personnel packages and a slant in a different direction this year. Now, then you got to figure out how do you run best out of three wides instead of two tights, right? Like these are scheme things that, or that Stefanski and coordinator Alex Van Pelt and offensive line coach Bill Callahan and running backs coach Stump Mitchell will all have to work through, right? Can we run it as effectively as we want out of three wides? Can we run play action out of three wides? Because it's easy to run play action out of two tight ends and three tight ends because the defense thinks you're going to run anyway, right? So, like, those are the inside football kind of things that the coaching staff has spent the offseason working on. But I think if they come up with the right run scheme out of those packages – you'll see it slide in that direction. And again, it's part of that is your opponent, right? Are you playing an opponent that you think you can run against 35 times? What's the weather like? I mean, all those things play a factor. And I think Stefanski is flexible enough to change on a weekly basis. Um, But I I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the offense look significantly might be too strong a word, but noticeably, different than it did a year ago well you would be saying then that baker truly is the guy and they're not just going to uh, some people call him a a, you know a game manager right right so basically in your mind he's the guy and that would be stefanski saying hey listen he's he can certainly lead this offense in a different way yeah that's a good point john i think that's a fair i think that's a fair statement to make that if you go in that direction it is a sign of belief in Baker Mayfield. And, you know, frankly, the end of last season 
I think was reason to believe in Baker Mayfield. And I think the coaching staff and organization feels that way. Um, now it's still about supporting Baker. Is it, you know, are they going to come out and throw it 50 times? No. Are they going to abandon play action? No, because that's one of the areas where Baker excels. That's where he succeeds. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, he's not a, he's not a seven step drop guy. He's not a, you know, we're going to go empty and the defense knows Baker's going to throw. Not that he can't do that, but that's not where he's the most effective. So I, so there obviously be elements of last year's offense and they're going to do it and they're going to, do the things that allow Baker to succeed the most, which includes play action. I just think it's not, I just think it's a misnomer to say the Browns are strictly a run first team, even though their best player might be their running back. Um, I just think it's hard to do say that in today's NFL. And I, I just think it's, I just think the natural progression is to throw more is this offense gets more stable and we have the continuity of year two. I just think, yeah. I, I think the expansion of the offense comes through the passing game versus the running game. Yeah. Well, great, great take by you. And, and the bottom line is you're right. If they are going to win a Super Bowl and take the next step in the NFL, they have to, to be that way. You have to um, <laughs> do exactly what you said, because that's the way it gets done nowadays. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, you know, there's, there's exceptions, right. The Niners, when they went to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, um, ran it, right? I think the NFC Championship game, they threw it like eight times. And given the right circumstance, you could see the Browns do that. But you also need a dominant defense. And we don't know if the Browns defense is going to be dominant yet, right? I mean, you hope. Right, because you got to keep up with those teams like Kansas City. Exactly. And, That's exactly right. right. That's and we, exactly. Saw, we saw what happened to the Niners when they got to the Super Bowl, right? They didn't protect the lead. They stopped scoring in Kansas City you know, pulled out that win. And when you mentioned the Niners at the beginning with those Super Bowl odds or odds to win the most games, I go back to quarterback. And if they trusted Jimmy Garoppolo, then they don't draft a quarterback in the top 10 issue, right? Right, so yeah. There's still questions at quarterback for the Niners. And it's just one of the reasons I'm not willing to put them at the top of my, even the NFC West, because I feel like, obviously the Seahawks, but even the Rams with Stafford, I think have more proven quarterback sure. than the Niners do. All right, Scott, what players are you most interested to watch here uh, coming up in training camp? Give me like a top, maybe top three. Yeah. You know, I make this list and, I, and I, I'm not going to include rookies because, you know, we all want to see what the rookies look like in training camp. So no Greg Newsom the second, no um, Jeremiah Rusakoromoa. Uh, but it starts with OBJ, and this just builds on what we talked about after minicamp, right? How impressive he looked, and he's coming off the ACL. And for this offense to take the next step, right, OBJ has to be a factor in this offense. I don't think without OBJ, I don't think this offense can be as explosive as it needs to be. And I think we saw that in that Chiefs playoff game. So OBJ plus he's OBJ, right? Eyes go to him. Jadavian Clowney, right? On the other side of the ball, you know, injury history looked really good in minicamp. I think for this defense to be, and we, I think we talked about this in the last pod, Judd, was for this defense to be as good as people think it can be, right? A potential top 10 defense. Clowney needs to be healthy, and Clowney needs to be a high-level complement to Miles Garrett, right? Because if they're going to double Miles and triple Miles, 
somebody's got to go get the sacks off the edge of the other edge. And that needs to be Clowney. I suppose it could be Tack McKinley, but Clowney's the guy, right? They're paying Clowney to be that guy. Um, so I need to see him stay healthy in camp and see how, you know, he, how he works against, you know, a good offensive line when the ones go against the ones. Um, and so you can throw Tack McKinley into that Clowney mix. And then I'll, I'll do another combo. Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams. How the two injured guys that missed all of last season in the secondary, how do they look? How are they coming along? Are they going to be ready for week one? Grant Delpit's never played a game in this league, right? How does he look in the preseason? Greedy Williams, how does he hold up when they do some hitting in training camp in the preseason? How's that shoulder hold up? Because, again, there's things that need to go right for this defense to make the jump that the Browns hope it will make and that Andrew Barry spent all the resources on in this offseason. And it starts at the ends opposite Miles Garrett, and it continues in the secondary with those couple of injured guys that could have a huge difference in what this defense looks like, right? Without Greedy and without Grant Delpit, you need a huge contribution from Greg Newsom. You need Ronnie Harrison to be great. Um, but with those guys, you have some insurance and you have two guys that were drafted in the second round in the last two drafts, right? And you expect those guys to be big time contributors. And I want to see it, you know, starting at the end of July. How about your top three most important players heading into camp? And, you know, maybe one of these names is on both lists. I don't know, because I'm not you. So I'm asking you. (laughs) Well, Baker, right? I mean, you can't get away from the quarterback. Um, The Browns, I think, are set up to succeed without Baker being a top five quarterback. And not every team in the league is built like that. Obviously, you know, Buffalo, we keep going back to Buffalo. They don't succeed if Josh Allen doesn't succeed. The Browns can still win games without Baker being elite, but for them to win a Super Bowl, he probably has to be elite. And he probably has, I know he has to be elite in the big moments of the biggest game. So Baker's one of the important players. Um, I would probably go, I would probably go OBJ over Clowney. Um, just because I think his skill set is so special and there's nobody that replaces him where Clowney, maybe you can figure it out with a combination of McKinley and Curtis Weaver or Porter Gustin or whatever. It'll be a drop off, but you can probably, well, you're saying, more. so you're saying most important, you're saying Clowney over like, no, Miles going, Garrett. oh, well, I guess Miles Garrett to me is an assumption. Like I assume right. it's going to be dominant. You know what I mean? Like, I assume the offensive line is going to be good. Um, so, I, like, I don't I – So, guess, you're staying – okay. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting Well, you, question, threw, you, so. threw ba- you threw Baker out there, so well, I thought that was – Yeah, you know. well, I get what you're saying, and that's a good point. But to me, like, to me, there's still a, some level of question mark around Baker, right? Like, he hasn't put a full season together in, this, in the NFL – Agreed. Um, yeah. Right. He still needs to take a next step. Like, you know, yeah, Miles, right. I guess that's a great point for the Browns to be who they need to be. Miles has to be a defensive player of the year candidate. So you make a great point. I just kind of, I'm under the assumption that he's going to play like that. Right. So I'm kind of looking at guys that need to prove to me. Um, maybe, maybe the question should be different. 
you know, like yeah. instead of most important players, because we know Chubb and Garrett and OBJ, those are important guys. So maybe the word would be, uh, you know, the other question was most interested to watch during camp, but right. this question might be top three guys that need to come through yes. or something. Of that right. Age. Yeah. And that's right. That's the question I was answering, I guess. So in that list, give me Baker and OBJ. And how about Jedrick Wills Jr.? Um, Love it. I was right? thinking that. Yeah. I mean, he played, he played pretty well as a rookie, but, you know, if you go by PFF rankings, was not in the top half of the league, was not the best rookie left tackle. Um, for this line to be dominant again, he needs to make an improvement or make improvements. Um, and if he does, then all of a sudden you have no question marks at all across your front five, um, your starting front, which is a great place to be. Obviously, top 10 pick. So those are the expectations. So, uh, you know, I, I guess yeah, he's a guy that needs these two guys need to come through slash prove something to me for this Browns team to be in as good a spot as it can be to make the run to the Super Bowl that really does not seem outlandish at all, right? That seems totally legitimate to expect the Browns to be in the discussion and in the run all season long as one of the top, like we mentioned, right? Top five teams, top three or four teams in the AFC to go to the Super Bowl. As you were talking, I just thought of another thing here because I was going to throw in a cornerback and I just didn't know which one. But basically what I'm going to say is if there is a position that needs to come through yeah. the most, to me, it's defensive backfield because that's what cost them last year. And they've made improvements in a lot of spots. That, to me, do you disagree is the most important position? No, I don't disagree at all. I think that's a great, I think that's a great point, Chud. And you can see what they did in the offseason, right, by spending all that money on John Johnson III. By drafting Greg Newsom, um, the second in the first round, right? I mean, your two biggest—you can argue your two biggest offseason acquisitions were in your secondary, and then we already talked about Del Pitt and Williams coming back, right? And I'm not even mentioning Troy Hill, right? The Browns signed Troy Hill to be their nickelback. So, and Joe Woods, the coordinator, can't run the defense he wants without the secondary playing at a high level, and we saw that a year ago. He just. He had, his hand, he had his hands tied all year long and is hoping to be able to expand everything that he can do this year. So, yeah, I, I think that's a great point. And we'll get into this next week when we do another one of these positions that I want, that I'm most interested to see in training camp. And the cornerbacks are number two on my list. And we'll get into number one next week. But that doesn't mean they're not, that doesn't mean they're not the most important because they are the most important. They're just another position group that, I'm more interested to see at the start of training camp. Um, but corner is, is the most important because I, I think you're right. I think Joe Woods wants to run his defense through the secondary. And some teams want to do it up front. Some teams want to do it in the back. And obviously it's a combination of the two, but he wants to be secondary centric and it's play three safeties. It's play three corners. It's go nickel and dime a lot because of the freedom and the flexibility it gives you. And he couldn't do it last year, and he better be able to do it this year, but he can only do it if Denzel Ward's healthy, Greg Newsom is as good as it hoped, Greedy Williams is healthy, right? I mean, you need those pieces to come together. I agree. 
All right. We'll talk position battles next time. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, have a, uh, it's great to get back after a couple weeks off and, uh, man, you know, yeah, summer's coming. Uh, eh, we still have plenty of summer, but we're looking forward to that season to start. Yeah. It'll be here before we know it. Um, yeah. So thanks for the time, Chud. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll do this again next week. And then really after that, it's full steam ahead toward training camp, preseason season. So, um, this is kind of kicking it off, um, as we get going here in, in the 2021 Brown season. So thanks everybody for listening. This has been the latest edition of the Brown Zone, Zone Coverage Podcast. Thanks.